Hello and welcome to the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam Hind and today I am joined by a very special guest. It's rare to find somebody who is so incredibly passionate about this industry and has stuck with it for as many years as this beautiful person who will be joining me today. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Michelle McDonough. Michelle is a powerful influencer in the direct selling industry with a wealth of experience of over 45 years. From being in the industry herself as a distributor through to being in corporate teams and now as co-founder of C3 Executive Search, she supports both of those areas. She works with leaders in the field as well as corporate teams. She's also the co-founder of the Women's Power Circle. And as you will get from listening to this interview, she is incredibly passionate, as I am, about what this industry is, how it helps people, and where, most importantly, it's going. Michelle shares her breadth of experience, her knowledge, and her wisdom in this episode. From a corporate perspective, if you want to hear a little bit more about what's going on in the field, what she's seeing from corporate teams, and where this industry is headed, you absolutely want to listen to this episode. And of course, if you're a leader in the field and you want to know a little bit more about what's going on, I highly recommend you tune on in. So grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm joined by the amazing Michelle McDonough. Welcome on in, Michelle. It's so great to have you joining us today. Hi from California. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love the fact that we get to do this from afar and you're on the other side of the globe with you're on the other side of the day as well, but uh, amazing how technology allows us to have this chat. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Yes, yes, amazing. And it's amazing that we can coordinate all this. That's great. (laughs) I can't say we did it well. (laughs) We've had so many backs and forwards with the time zones, but we made it. And I'm so excited for this chat. I know this is going to be a really powerful talk, Michelle. We had the pleasure of meeting um, a little while back and you have got so much amazing experience, knowledge and understanding for this incredible industry. And, you know, obviously you are co-founder of C3 Executive Search, which we've already talked about, but uh, you're also a veteran of this industry. You've got over 45 years of experience in direct selling. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background so our listeners know just a little bit more about you before we get stuck in? Absolutely. And I always want to make a disclaimer. I started super, super young because 45 (laughs) sounds like a lot. Um, I I just adore this channel. And I started, uh, of course, when I was very young. And the way that I came into this channel was via the sales field. Uh, I was working my way towards leadership with a party plan jewelry direct selling company uh, a million years ago. And I just loved what they this industry did for women. And, you know, I, I was in the beauty industry prior. And, you know, there, there are a lot of companies, a lot of channels, a lot of industries. But 
there's something different about this industry and mm-hmm. and the strength and the power it just gives to families and and especially women working from home. So I I grew up in this channel. I I was lucky enough to kind of cross the line over into the corporate world at a young age in my career and then mm-hmm. I've been in the corporate world of direct selling uh the rest of my life. So and now I'm doing uh as a partner co-founder C3 Executive Search and the the reason I love what I do now is because all the relationships over the last 45 years uh, I've created and and really magnified uh, come into play with what I do. So when a client comes and they want the best of the best of the best, you know, we, my partner and I, we know how to find that person and, and we have our relationships that help us. So, yeah. and we stay very active in the channel. That makes us different from other executive search firms, you know, yeah. Yeah. DSU, DSA and everything going on out there. So, Michelle, you and I have got a very similar background. I feel like we uh, have got have got much in common because, um, like you, I started in this industry at literally 14. That was my first direct selling business. Uh-huh. And we've already had this chat, but the funny thing is that my first experience with direct selling was actually at seven. Um, I remember I grew up um, alone with my dad, and so when I got to that age where uh, it was time to start, you know, doing the girly thing and I I started to show some interest in makeup. My mum, who once upon a time was actually a Mary Kay consultant, had left behind all of these beautiful palettes um, of, of makeup, Mary Kay makeup and some videos. And I grew up teaching myself how to do makeup by watching these VHS tapes by Mary Kay teaching their consultants how to do makeup artistry. So this industry was kind of kind of you know showed me how to be a woman in many ways yeah yeah well and your story is kind of common we come across a lot of very powerful executive ceos that were raised by herbal life parents or raised by mary Kay parents or so they knew as a child growing up what that meant and so yeah. yeah and you know Things have changed a lot over the last, you know, I'm not going to say how old I am, but let's go with the last 30 to 40 years, let alone, you know, since this industry started. But just the last five years has been a significant shift, a significant change. What do you currently observe as being, because you're you're so connected with so many companies, you get to see the field as well as the, the corporate end. You know, what do you see as being some of the biggest or observing as the, the biggest challenges right now in 2023 for both, you know, companies and their distributors alike? Well, you know, um, this industry changes every day, and because of COVID, it 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 just changed tremendously, and and is changing uh, this week and next week, and so it, that's why it's so important to keep current because what was popular three months ago is not popular now. But <laughs> I would say, um, and I actually made a list. Um, as you probably aware aware of compensation plans, uh, whatever way uh, the field is incentivized or paid or whatever, is changing dramatically over to mm-hmm. affiliate programs and cutting back from the you do this, you do that, and five levels here and this and that. So it's it's become more simplified. So people are not as confused when they come into the business. Yeah. And, 
the process of uh, onboarding employees. I mean, you talk about the last couple of years working remotely. There are executives who can't work remote. They're used to a physical team. And so that's been a real shift. And then the managers managing a team that is in another state uh, via Zoom. And so they're having issues. So that whole process has changed. And of course, now in the last couple of weeks, a British company did a big study showing that four-day work weeks create more productivity and less stress. So now we're looking at a different work week. And so a lot of companies are asking their employees to come back because they feel the culture has been affected yeah. without having that these people here. And then, of course, we're going digital, um, you know, paper, um, brochures and whatever. Everything is just going uh, digital. So it's easier. Social media has played a big role. And and with social media, you've got to look at the legalities because you can get yourself in trouble. And so that's become an issue as well. And, and cultures are changing. Um, mm. Companies are, you know, they start 20 years ago, they have a, a good family story and with COVID and with uh, employees working in other states and distributors kind of alone in one area and whatever. It's just everything is changing. So the key yeah. is really keeping up with all these changes. Um, yeah. And not a lot of people like change. So. <laughs> no, no. And and th- I can see this as a big challenge at the moment. It's interesting to see, you know, you mentioning about our corporate teams working in different locations. And, you know, we're, we're noticing a lot more of that now where, you know, particularly in the US, you can have people spread out all over the country and in many cases you know we're seeing people that have never met one another so they're working exactly. for the same company yeah. Yeah. they've started within the last three years and because they're working you know from home um they they just they don't know the rest of the team that they're working with and it, it does it is a whole new dynamic isn't it that that for some employees is very difficult and and yeah. the, the leader of that team has to strategically um yeah fit that all together. And that's hard. And I think leaders have been learning new ways to manage remote teams. And, and, you know, and again, as I said earlier, not a lot of people like working alone. And then there's the group of people that love it. And um, so it is. Isn't it in so many ways, though, you know, just thinking about this, it replicates what direct selling is in that the corporate teams are now almost mirroring in many ways the field because that is is the challenge that leaders have of their teams in the field and have had for a long time. Now we're seeing that same dynamic in a corporate environment. Exactly. And good point, Sam, you brought that up because I think um, companies, I'm hoping they realize that they can use what they gain with the employees also with the field. And I, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah, it's definitely, um, and, and, you know, when we've, we've placed candidates, executives, I should say that have never met the team or the owners of the company. So, you know, there was a time when travel was absolutely forbidden. So everything was done, you know, via Zoom. And there's a little bit of a physical relationship on Zoom. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there were times when people made hires and they've never met them in person. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Look, I've got a, a question that I'm sure. dying to ask you. Given all of your experience in the industry, you've had direct selling businesses, you've then worked for corporate teams, you've observed and you've been around for such a long time. And I don't, I don't mean that to come out <laughs> way, but your experience yeah. um, is is so is so, I guess, broad in this industry. You've you've had both sides. If you were to start your own business now, so if you were to go back into the field and be a direct seller in this day and age, this time, given all of the shifts that we've had from when you were last in the industry, what would your main focus be right now to grow a business yourself? Well, I mean, we do grow our business ourselves, my partner and I, in, in what we do now. So it, we are doing the same things as a sales field would do. But it, it it's really in today's uh, business, it's really about the consumers. So, mm-hmm. it you know, it was always about the distributors and we've made a big shift to the consumer focus, direct to consumer and whatever. So I, I would, if I went back out in the field and, and wanted to work my way up to leadership, um, you know, I'd have to really build a business based on the trends today and what it's going to look like in five years because it it's yeah. not the same it was. And, mm-hmm. and we do run across executives that uh, we kind of call legacy executives that have been around a long time. And they're very used to doing things, you know, what they the way they did it 30 years ago. And yeah, it's really, <laughs> a lot of pushback to change, isn't there? Yeah. And it's really so what we're, and it worked 30 years ago, but, yeah. you know, they come in and try to, and, and it's really kind of a shift and, you know, for everybody because it, it worked great then, but it mm. probably worked today. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of which, you've just mentioned the shift over the next five years, and I want to talk to you about the demographic shift in a moment, but what do you foresee coming? What changes do you um, are you preparing for both your clients and also you as a company? What do, how do you see this industry changing in the next five years? Well, as I mentioned, the areas that are changing dramatically, I it, companies are trying very hard to stay on top of, of what's right, what's wrong, what other companies tried, what failed, what are new companies doing that is working and mm-hmm. holding on to the story, holding on to their culture. And so it, it's very scary for a lot of companies and, and, and legalities. You know, we've always got government agencies keeping an eye on our channel. So you got to be super careful about what you do. And so it, it's it's really, really tough. And uh, But you got to stay ahead of the curve. So as I mentioned, it, it's all about the consumer. It's making yeah. that shift and making consumer programs work and that consumer consumer journey, you know, whether shopping through the shopping cart, what that looks like, you know, everything. Um, it's got to be state of the art and innovative and new because it, it's, you know, that when they shop, it's very different than when they shopped, you know, in the back office or through a yeah. shopping cart or whatever. So, um, so everything is, is changing. So, yeah. um, and it's important to listen to the field. I, I think that I've always believed in advisory boards that included, um, you know, your top leadership, uh, maybe a tech area and a new product area and a comp plan area and, and get their insights, you know, and you have to balance it as a company. Sometimes it's not good. You know, it's more pro 
the sales field, but you, you got to find that nice balance and take the feedback and, you know, and listen to what they need mm. and, and how, you know, how, how mm. they need support. So, Did, you know, and I notice more and more you, you talk about listening to the field, the disconnect that we see between, you know, and, and between corporate and the field. They, I think that a lot of what, what is assumed by head offices is needed by the field uh, in in not all cases, but in many cases is quite different. Um, you know, and you think about it, you know, back when, you know, when I had my first business in this industry, it was, it was paper orders. You know, I remember getting all of the products sent to my house and I used to package it all up and I used to deliver it all by hand. It was very hands-on. And in so many ways, that's what made the industry beautiful because it was right. so connected and so intimate and so relationship-based. Yeah. But now, whilst we've got the convenience of online, we have to find ways to make that connection in other ways. And we're seeing a lot of people in the field using mm. that convenience to disconnect. And that's not what the industry is about. And it's it's right. causing, I really believe it's causing a, a shift where our industry is losing in many ways what makes it so special. Right. No, and, and I totally get what you're saying. The Avon days and the Mary Kay days yeah. where you deliver a little bag at the front door and yeah. Yeah. It, it's really trying to stay very personalized to your consumer. Mm. I buy my clothes, my makeup, my skincare, my vitamins, everything, jewelry, everything from everything I do is direct selling. And yeah. I do I do have a couple distributors that will call and check on if I need an or you know something mm. or and they just send it to me in a gorgeous, you know, container bag with a little note and a yeah. little and and you know here's what's coming up uh, in the next two or three months as far as special so that's that so personalizes the experience mm. and um you know it's it's kind of ironic back in the day with avon you know ringing the doorbell and i think if you did it today you'd risk getting shot you know you gotta be careful <laughs> and you don't know you know and i don't know in so many ways i really miss that side of it and i think yeah. if i went back into the industry it's it's really funny because people say to me look i teach social media that's my job i teach social media to the direct selling industry but if i were to go back into the industry now yeah. i would do as much face-to-face -face and as much personal connection and contact as I possibly could, I wouldn't be using social media as a primary tool. I'd be using it as a tool to yes. complement that. But I think yes. I'd be going back to that face-to-face -face and what you were talking about, that element of getting something in the mail that's personal mm -hmm. is so powerful and yet I think so underrated. Um, yes. By corporate as much as the field. And, you know, I, I would... It just I know that from a corporate perspective, we're looking at simplifying and streamlining because we want to reduce costs, we want to increase, you know, orders, we want to, uh, you know, take away the barriers. But by doing that, we're also reducing that relationship building opportunity as well. And it's just a really a difficult balance. And I I really sense that that's that's a challenge at the moment. It, it is tough. And, and, you know, when, when you start out in an industry and did things a certain way, and then it's changed, but mm -hmm. I always believe I, I love bringing people together and having a, you know, a little party and, and whatever that physical yeah. connection and everybody is actually 
the excitement level is so high they're selling each other you don't have to do anything really and um and and i think at some level parts of the country you know obviously with covid you know it, it, it's different but i it's obviously better now but you know in the midwest you know the uh kind of in the central part of the country you know people are still doing that they, they live in smaller communities they all know yeah. each other and you know, I and what I've always when I was consulting, what I always liked doing was creating a, a some sort of a philanthropy program where all of these distributors in these little towns could pick a place every month, you know, whether March of Dimes or cerebral palsy or muscular district, you know, something in their community. And then the company would send the check to the distributor and then the distributor would go make the, you know, the donation and they'd be in the front page of the local newspaper and but it gave them yeah. so much power because they were so community driven and yeah and in parts of the country are doing that um mm -hmm. you know covid kind of threw everybody off but yet i do think covid um i do think a lot of areas really didn't wear it masks like the bigger cities did and so they just went on with life and whatever mm -hmm. So, but that relation, it is a different, you, you know, you're having a digital relationship or a social mm -hmm. media relationship. It is very, very different. And, yeah, absolutely. And I think your product has a lot to do with it. You know, it's different. Um, where I buy my cosmetics, you know, she kind of puts the colors on her hands and, um, you know, she does that big visual thing. And so it, it is very different when you're doing all that online. So yeah. the product, of course, is, you know, drives how you do that. So, of course. And so let's just talk about the demographic because you and I have had a conversation right. about the demographic shift over the last few years. Um, what? Let's just have a bit of a chat about that. How do you feel the demographic is changing and how do distributors adapt to this? Because, mm -hmm. the, you know, we've, we've got, you talked before about the people that don't want to change because they've been doing it the same way for 30 years, but we're seeing a big shift of, you know, the, the Gen Zs and, and the millennials, et cetera. Well, millennials are kind of old. <laughs> I feel I feel like we can't call them the newbies anymore, but the Gen yeah. Zs, et cetera, coming through. And, you know, what does that mean for distributors now? Because it's a very different ballgame, very different expectation. Well, studies show, and if you think about it, studies show that we recruit and sell to like people. Mm. So I'm a baby boomer. I I get along better and, and work better with baby boomers for me to go to a Gen Z and, and maybe a, you know, millennial, whatever. A millennial might be easier, but, you know, they talk different. They communicate yeah. different. You have to approach them different. The words you use are different with a Gen Z. So you, and it's always difficult because when I worked with clients and we, we kind of did studies, um, somebody in their fifties, they, they, you know, their whole organization was basically like people like them, their downline or their group. Um, they didn't go out and try to get a 22 year old and whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, to widen companies are trying to go deep and wide. You know, they're trying to get everybody and, and you communicate different with each particular yeah. age group. So they've got to be texting or, or content or digital or, or conference calls or mm -hmm. live Zoom calls, whatever. So you got to kind of do a little bit of everything to reach everybody. And, yeah. and if you don't, and if you stay the same way, um, 
they won't they won't shop with you you know i I forgot which generation i think it was gen x where they're very driven by uh charity philanthropy and if they don't see that a company gives back to their community they Mm -hmm. go somewhere else so yeah we got to kind of know you know and yep yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so very true. You know, I guess the thing with distributors is we, there's a, a very different uh, focus there. Like a distributor is going to need to identify who they best communicate with and really niche down on that. Because if you try to be who you're not, if you try to connect with people that you're not put here to connect with, you're going to fail miserably. You'll you'll dislike what you do in your business, um, and and it's not going to work. But from a corporate perspective, who you know, and and I I know you know, I will talk about this in a moment. I know from my perspective, what I'm hearing on the ground, and when I'm speaking with you know corporate head offices, the question that comes up more often than not is. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we reach more of the younger demographics? Because at the moment we're geared up to reach these groups, but we recognize and understand that we need a younger demographic coming through for the longevity of the business. And and that's a really good point you make, Michelle, that it's about having those different ways to communicate and those different ways of branding yourself so that you are tailoring to all those different age groups because we're talking very different needs very different values um and uh, yeah absolutely those different channels as well there there are demographics that prefer to do everything online and just have it delivered but that means very different messaging too well and you and i think when you and i spoke you wanted me to say something i i when i talk to someone the first time or going to talk to them i ask what's your preference texting uh, LinkedIn, yeah. I am Zoom or a regular old-fashioned phone call. <laughs> yeah. And so I let them pick because what I like doesn't mean that they're going to like it. So yeah, I, that's such a good point. And it helps it, it helps the relationship. But mm-hmm. you know, to your point about digging deep and digging wide, you know, with your consumer base, you know, you gotta you gotta find that younger whatever gen x gen z and they will go out and build their gen z group so it really only takes stepping over to find one person because they're going to bring that group in and one thing i liked about origami owl many 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 years ago um chrissy did this great program and i think they still do it mother daughter program mm-hmm. with the, the mother would sign the contract because the the daughter could be 16, 17, underage. So the parent signed the contract because you have to be 18. But they did the business together. So it oh, was this coming in and it was a partnership with a mother daughter and and their jewelry so mom was having fun and the daughter was having fun and she had her group and and they both made money together and it more importantly it was a bonding experience mm. so really really like that concept yeah that's such a clever concept i love that idea uh yeah. maybe we can get some more people taking that one on i feel like uh, that's you know as as a mum myself now of a teen uh i've i've actually you know, we've talked about this. The problem is, you know, I'm not aligned with any company, nor can I be because of our relationship with the DSA and we want to keep it that way. But I was like, if I could be back in the industry, I would do it with my daughter. We'd do it together. We'd have some fun with that. So it's it's such a clever clever idea. I love that. Well, even men with, I know a company tried, I forgot what they were selling 
father son uh, there was something they were following in stride with the the father son version but yeah. it really supported the family and i and i think thinking outside the box for things like that you just got to figure out how to you know how to do mm -hmm. that and where and going and finding where do you find a younger generation that mm -hmm. um uh, like Cutco that needs money in college. And, and of course, their demographic is college kids because they yeah. do that uh, to pay for their schooling. So that's the market they went after. So, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, you are obviously speaking a lot with corporates and leaders in the field. Let's start with corporates. Given um, your your experience, what are you hearing on the ground at the moment from, you know, corporate head office teams in the industry? Well, I mean, it, it's, all, it's all change and it's all about just owning the change and not being scared of it and, mm -hmm. and constantly being updated with editorials. And we have some great events going on out there and one coming out in April and boy, the knowledge and the intel you can gain. And what's so beautiful about this channel is people will be on stage and say, you know, I made a mistake. I did this. And that way other companies, if they're doing that, they stop or they learn, you know, whatever. But people on this channel are not afraid to help others and share. And so even when you're in the hallway at these events, you can learn something powerful. And yeah, uh, but it's it's really all about technology. Uh, to your point, how, keeping mm. that warmth in the technology, mm. keeping those relationships. How do you, I guess it's called gamification. How do you reward a distributor? Is that these big, robust comp plans or is it something simple and easy? And, you know, yeah. do you pay daily? Do you pay weekly? Instant gratification. Uh, so it, it's really just keeping up. And that's why I always say, um, create advisory boards and listen to your sales field. And I think you'll yeah. get your best ideas from them. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the sales field, what are you hearing from leaders in the field at the moment? And how does that differ from what what's coming from head office? Well, I, I interviewed two of my good friends. I said I was doing this podcast and I said, you know, tell me from a leader point of view, not a corporate point of view, um, what's going on. And mm -hmm. their comments were the same. It mm -hmm. has changed. You got to study and work and go with the change. And both of these people, I would say, 45 up, you know, and so they were they were not they had to learn how to use technology it was yeah. it was a little different with them what they were used to so they're out there and doing reels you know they're doing things mm. that they never thought they would be doing and and their business is doing well so it's yeah. really learning on what's needed and doing it and it's scary and you know you get to these baby boomers and sometimes technology is kind of you know scary yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah absolutely uh, you know the thing is though and, and this is we saw people embracing it over COVID and we saw people say, hey, you know, I've got a choice to make. I'm going to lose my business or I learn what I don't know. And I finally embraced the technology. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw this, but I certainly did. I was really, I felt like a proud mum watching so many people step into that. Mm -hmm. But as soon as there, as things loosened up, 
We saw another separation of groups. We saw the group that went, I'm going to take what I've learned and I'm going to grow on this. And we saw another group of people going, I'm going to go back to what I was comfortable with and I'm going to, I'm just going to put to the side all those things I had to do and I had to learn because it just felt uncomfortable. And we're Mm -hmm. seeing that growth happening for actually a much smaller group of people at the moment because our toughest time has not been during COVID. It's been on the other side of COVID. Mm -hmm. It's that small group of people who have gone, I'm Mm going to take what I was learning and I'm going to build on that and I'm going to stay in that discomfort Um, particularly that group that are sort of 35 plus really that didn't grow up like you and I, we didn't grow up with technology at our fingertips. You know, I think the most I learned at school, Michelle, was how to send a hotmail, like how to set up a hotmail email and send an email. And I learned that in year 12. So when it comes to technology, everything that you and I and anyone our age and up knows is is essentially self-taught. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a difference I'm seeing between the group of people that say, I'm going to embrace that, even if it makes me uncomfortable, or I'm going to stick with what I know and the world should adapt to me. And of course, right. the businesses are not doing well. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, when you bring, and I still think I'm the only AOL person out there in the world. I'm still <laughs> you know, on AOL, but I, I, I do yeah. think that from our point of view, um, C3 Executive Search, because of COVID, a lot of employees refuse to go back to the office and they mm-hmm. will not take the job or they'll quit. And, you know, that that's huge because they were in the corporate environment for so long and mm-hmm. now they find they want to be home with the kids and the dog. And so companies are dealing with that too. So, yeah. yeah. So given the, the what you've been listening to, what you've been hearing and seeing and the experience that you have, um, you know, and obviously you've got amazing experience from a, uh, a, a HR perspective, a hiring perspective, and you're seeing new teams coming in. We've seen a lot of new people come into play in, in the corporate environment over the last few years. You know, yeah. what tips could you provide given your experience for, um, building and supporting team in 2023? Well, that that's a good question. I could probably talk about that for an hour, but I, <laughs> I, 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 and I'm still learning myself and, and, you know, my partner and I are very good at grasping what's working. And so we try to share that with the next client. And, but we do have a client that we so admire. Uh, in fact, we brought them to the last DSA event uh, the HR department and and had them mingle and talk about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But the onboarding process is like un- unlike any other company. And there's there's this wonderful culture because of the HR department and and a great job at interviewing. They the, I'll tell you, they know how to find the right person. They and interviewing is tough. A lot of people make bad decisions through the interview process, but mm-hmm. they've got it down pat. And I'll tell you, employees have this HR person has been there over 30 years. The longevity in this company, you know, they should be on stage talking about what they do because they do it yeah. right. Yeah. So um, but but there's you know there's a process and mm-hmm. um, and you know there was a period of time a couple of years ago when companies were doing uh, uh, Br- Meyer Briggs uh, it, I say that mm-hmm. correctly all these personality tests yeah. yeah. sixty five and and uh, and 
it would bring out certain personality traits, but we weren't sure if that really applied to what they were doing. You know, it was just like, you know, okay, this person gets up early and what, you know, so it, it just, you know, it's finding that process uh, has to be perfected because it's so costly mm-hmm. when someone quits and they rehire, someone quits yeah. and they rehire, yeah. they got to, they got to do it right the first time. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I think we could have a whole other conversation about hiring. I, I and I'm really fascinated actually by this process because I think it's as much about uh, getting the right person for your team as it is about a person joining the right team. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's just it's a it's an amazing cultural. Um, uh, dynamic, I suppose, and when you get it right, um, mm-hmm. it's got a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. But you can get it, you get so it wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also yeah. has a ripple effect. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very. So to my, to your point and my point, when you do it wrong, it, you know, and I, I remember a lot of positions. I was always kind of VP of sales and and higher. I, I was focused on the field, and you don't want to make mistakes, especially in that role, because that person is taking your business and your culture out to the field and and really bonding with the field and you don't want leaders getting upset or having pro you know so you you just you got to be sensitive and and there's yeah. an art to it not you know not everybody can do it so yeah absolutely there is certainly an art to it and so i've got a couple of fun questions sure. i want to ask you now michelle these are my favorite and i'm really keen to hear what is your favorite book for our accelerated book list well i i wrote that down here it's it's managing from the heart and um mm. i use this book 25 years ago i i, I checked it's still on amazon managing from the heart it's a good book for leadership. It's Mm -hmm. how to be heart centric. And we tend to let egos and, um, you know, all sorts of things get in the way. And when you manage from the heart, it just, you develop a team because you can, you can pick and choose who your team is. So you can create a healthy team or you can, you're not going to go after, you know, criminals, bad people, you're going to create a good team. And so um, that's my favorite book. So whether you're corporate or in the field, managing from the heart is good. I love it. And it's good training. So use that book and then create a training curriculum for your event because it's great for that. So, And I I gather that this book is potentially great for both leaders in the field as much as leaders of teams in corporate, right? Exactly. Both sides. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So uh, next question, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? Yeah, I thought about that question, and I, my first response was not to age. <laughs> oh, so, you know, stop and whatever, but that's not a superpower. That reminds so. me of that movie, uh, The Age of Adeline, which actually yes, looks I like a, it. it's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Right, but at right. the same time, I feel like that would be torture at a point. It is, because all your friends pass away, and then at the end, she- And your she, kids, everything, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I knew that was not possible. So I would say. (laughs) I didn't say it had to be a possible superpower. Right, right, right. So be visible. um, Oh, invisible. Yeah, then I could, um, you know, just go into meetings. (laughs) (laughs) I don't use that. I just imagine how to go into the locker room at that. Yeah, anyway. Right, right. right. So 
<laughs> so, yeah, be a fly on the wall at meetings. I love that. You and and you, you you could really think up some cool places you could be and and meetings you could listen to. I think you know political meetings, all sorts yeah. of fun things yeah. there. Right? Go to the White House and yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a fly on the wall there, right? And uh, okay, so next question: What's your favorite quote? Well, my favorite quote is: I say it to myself all throughout the day is. When you know, because you sometimes you have stressful days, and I find I'm kind of back to back to back, and I stop and I breathe, and I say, breathe in faith and breathe out fear, because you want to get that fear out, and and you know bring that faith in. So I breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, Mm -hmm. breathe in, and then go to my next call. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Such a good little reminder. Very powerful. Very powerful. And last question, my absolute favorite question is, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? You know, that, God, that, you know, I often wonder and and I see, um, you know, young, gorgeous, young girls walking around and just say, whoa, you know keep those beautiful legs and, you know, all these things that people told me and I go, what are you talking about? And um, just watch out, you're going to age. But I, I would, I would say, you know, hold on to a sense of confidence because as, as a young person, I think you're still creating that confidence. And I, I love Jane Fonda and she says, you know, now that she's older, she could give a you know what on what anybody would say about her. She's just got that confidence level. She could conquer yeah. the world. And so I, w- I would go back and say, be confident. Yeah, that's a great one. And you know what? So powerful because at the end of the day, you know, we're always looking for the next thing. And I feel like as we're growing up, we're always looking forward to getting older and the next phase and the next phase. And you're looking forward but you very rarely stopped. And I, I kind of wish as a teen I had stopped and enjoyed what I was right. experiencing then because I was never going to experience that again. I was never going to get to, um, you know, go through that process of, uh, you know, of, of the body changes and, you know, and you hated that. Every teen, how I'm watching my teens going through it now, and I think right. I wish I'd enjoyed that time and actually, you know, yeah. experienced it because now I look back and I think, Things are very different now. Exactly. Um, Right. Aging isn't a bad thing, but it's a reminder that you can't experience that moment in time again. And I think that's where I find aging hard is is you look back and you think, I wish I'd been in that moment. I wish I'd just enjoyed that moment in time just a little longer. And be in the now. You know, I think as children or teenagers or young adults, so you would say that to them. They go, what? You know, and I think as we get older, we think about that more. But I, yeah. you know, there are things I wish we kind of learned in school, um, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, just just standard, you know, kind of business sense, you know, mm. just things. But, you know, who knows how other people would react? I would have loved yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Less algebra, more relationship building would have been yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really great chatting with you, Michelle. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day from all the way on the other side of the globe. So thank you so much for joining me and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom about the industry. Your passion is really infectious. And I just, I'm really grateful for you today. So thank you. 
Well, and thank you, Sam. And, um, you know, I, I do have some leaders I'd love you to interview because I do believe they have a lot to share and we don't always give them that chance, that platform. Yeah. But I, I hope that everyone out there that listens, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, reach out if you ever have any questions. I, I, I work as hard as I can to be half sales field, half corporate. I never want to go over to one side. I just always yeah. want to see both sides and, you know, and hold Love on that, that uh, field uh, pass that I have. And, yeah. and thank you. Thank you for your time. And, letting me do this. So. Oh, such a pleasure. I think it's so amazing for us to be out. And really the, for me, the, the, the passion behind this podcast, for those that are, are wondering, you know, we, she's bringing, brings all sorts of different people in. But the thing for me is that this is such a powerful, impactful industry. And I want there to be more understanding around not just what it does, but the, the, I guess the, the depth, you were talking about the breadth and the depth of this industry, you know, there are so many uh, opportunities within it, but there's also so much incredible knowledge and history as well. And, and to be able to open some eyes to that, give people a little bit more of an understanding around it uh, and keep this beautiful industry, not just alive, but thriving for me, you know, will be such an amazing thing. And I can see lots of incredible opportunity as we go forward. Um, and I'd love for people to grab that. So thank you again, Michelle. It's been great chatting with a like-minded, passionate person uh, who loves this industry as much as I do. So and thank you, of course, to our beautiful listeners for tuning in again this week. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, of course, uh, so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And uh, and if you loved this episode, share it with a friend. But thank you again so much, Michelle. It's been great chatting with you. Sure. See you soon. Okay. Thank you, Sam. See you, everyone. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there. 